Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and another episode of Rebels Talk. This is Rebels Talk Part 11, and we are diving into the next set of episodes, of course, of Star Wars Rebels Season 2, the absolute finale of Season 2, which happens to be some of the best episodes in the entire show. Uh, not to burst the bubble, but that's just my opinion. And then we will kick things off with Season 3 as well. Season 3, Episode 1 and 2, Steps in the Shadow, and Twilight of the Apprentice. Let's get into it with your co-host, Blake. Another happy landing. Ah, yes, the classic Rebels theme never gets old, or does it? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, because when we first started watching this, ten years ago, we used to complain about it. Yeah. And now it's nostalgic. It's funny how that works. It is funny how that works, isn't it? Uh, What I should have kicked things off with is this song right here, which is the very iconic It's Over Now song by Kevin Kiner, which is the absolute finale of season two. Ends off with this song, and it's so good. Yeah. So I'll have that plan for a little bit. But, Magical. Uh, yeah. Uh, season two, here we are. Season two, episode 21 and 22. This is Twilight of the Apprentice. Directed by Dave Filoni, written by Dave Filoni, Simon Kinberg, and Stephen Melching. Premiered March 30th, 2016 on Disney XD. Guest stars Matt Lanter, James Earl Jones, Sam Witwer, and Nikki Futterman. Isn't that a great song? <laughs> oh, man. It, it, I'm definitely getting revenge of the same five. This also reminds me of the Order 66. Yeah, a little from, bit. Uh, speci- well, both for Revenge of Sith, but also I was, I was thinking from the, the Clone Wars finale. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You know, it's just like like the Mandalore sort of arc, mm-hmm. the finale. The Yeah, yeah it was Ahsoka. Yeah. Same composer, I guess, but, you know, it's, it's kind of... I guess it is... It's fitting, I mean, considering... Yeah. That was, you know, Darth Maul and Ahsoka, and now we're Darth Maul and Ahsoka. Right. It is, it is so um, grand. And, you know, um, that being said, Rebels Talk, everybody who's just tuning in for the first time, you know, welcome to Star Wars Escape Pod. And uh, this is the finale of Season 2 and the premiere of Season 3. 
And if you haven't been following along with us at home, you can click the description in the podcast episode and uh, check and see which episodes we are talking about today. So um, I didn't do this last time, but, you know, spoilers for anyone who is not uh, up to date with the episodes that we will be talking about today. Um, and, uh, you know, that being said, I mean, we can just dive straight into Twilight the Apprentice if, if you want, unless anything else we should. I was going to say, you know, some, some people like to skip to the end of the book. Yeah, some people do. Some people really do. But I've been looking forward to this one for a while. And this is a really upfront. I mean, I'm going to be plainly honest with everybody listening here. Probably, if you were to skip most of Star Wars Rebels, this is probably one of the most important episodes to watch, at least, you know, before you see Ahsoka, you know, the show, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think, I think like, if you don't have time to get into the full Ghost Crew, Ezra Bridger, Sabine Wren storylines, that's fine. Uh, but, you know, this is Ahsoka that we're kind of hyping up here. And by doing so, I think this is uh, this arc falls under a number of very critical storylines to probably watch before that show comes out August twenty third. So, and to anyone who's just a big Clone Wars fan, like yeah. this was this arc two part episode was a culminating of so many things, and it's also the the fact that this came out before the end of the Clone Wars series released by Disney. Mm, yeah. So we were left in the dark with a lot of stuff. Yep. Yeah, that we, yeah, we didn't know a whole lot, and and I think knowing that Ahsoka was alive, the moment that they revealed that Ahsoka was around in this time frame, you know, with the end of season one, uh, it was it was like a can of worms. It's almost like you can't bring her back without having an opportunity for her to almost have the same opportunity that Luke has had to discover who Vader really is, right? right? Because everyone close to Vader has had that moment, you know, and and I think it would have been sort of criminal to bring her back oh, and not Ahsoka. have... Yeah. I was your master. I am your master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just like one of those things I thought, you know, like, oh, this is being hyped up. Like, this is 100%. Vader comes in. Ahsoka comes in. It's like... You know, we could feel this building ever since the finale of season one. And uh, finally, we're here. And uh, it's only taken us about two weeks to get here. And <laughs> in the span of time that we've been hammering these episodes out. Uh, but for a lot of us who did watch the show as it was coming out week to week, this was a full, decent amount of you know months later. And, and this was something that I think a lot of us were speculating at and looking forward to and uh, it was just such a great unfolding of story. And I think this was really what changed Rebels for me. Back when I was watching Rebels, I started kind of after this moment looking forward to it a lot more, I guess. Like, because mm-hmm. now I saw the potential as to where they could take the show. Right. You know, with now yeah. the mall's back and, you it's, know, a whole bunch they, of things. They needed more Clone Wars before you could like it is what it came down to. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> I think I think, I think they just needed to envelope it more into Star Wars lore. Because right. like it is cool to see the strings and the early str- the early the early cells of the rebellion. Like it's not a boring thing. It's just not really where my interests lie when it comes to what I like about Star Wars, right? But how Andor does it is different. That's a totally different ball game of success when it comes to telling the origins of the rebellion. But when it came to this show, it was just like, oh man, the Clone Wars was so good. Like, why take something that's amazing and just make something 
different that's not amazing right and and it, it took a while to get to and that level resistance. yeah and then they made resistance <laughs> <laughs> well <Wow. laughs> uh but yeah no it's just it's like you see what i mean you know it's just like yeah, but step down step down yeah so yeah like, what yeah. are we doing here yeah and that's cashing in what's happening right and and i used to have a bitter lens about rebels because of all this because of the cancellation of clone wars and all that but like this was like a game-changing kind of set of episodes right here this was the one that really kind of brought Rebels back up to uh, up to par, I think, with some of Clone Wars' best episodes. So, you know, these this set of episodes, really, I, I'm stoked say, to talk about them. Would you say the new series, that Jedi Younglings thing that came out? Oh, Tales, what is it, Adventures, Jedi, the High Republic animated series? Is it High Republic? I'm not even sure. You're talking about that Youngling show, right? Yeah, Just well, the like everyone's a child. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the High Republic animated series about Ooh, a bunch of okay. Padawans, yeah. And I have seen every single episode. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I have. Eventually, I, I probably will, just so that if there's anything there, I'll know it. But there is a reason we haven't even talked about. I have it. been procrastinating. Sir. Yeah, there ha- there has been a reason. I okay, but weirdly enough, I've seen that whole show, and I still have not watched Mandalorian season three gallery, but. I'll get to it. It's just we've got a long list of things to get through. So, you know, I've been busy, guys. I've been busy. Uh, all right. So let's let's take a quick listen to Rebels Recon and uh, see what Andy and Pablo and Dave and everybody else has to say about this. And then we can dive right in, maybe cover up some things that they may have missed and uh, elaborate on uh, some notes that we took. So let's let's take a listen. Yoda's instructions, Ahsoka, Kanan, and Ezra head to Malachor, only to discover a Sith temple and another Inquisitor as well. Three Jedi. Separated from the group, Ezra finds himself aligning with an unlikely ally in the hopes of capturing a Sith holocron. With the Sith holocron in their possession, Maul reveals his true self, leading to the ultimate showdown between the Inquisitors, the Jedi, and Darth Vader himself, leaving nobody the same at the end. Ahsoka. Anakin. This week's finale left us with a bunch of questions that needed to be answered. I sat down with cast and crew to talk about what Maul's been up to since we last saw him, what Kanan's gonna do now that he's been blinded, and how that whole Vader and Ahsoka thing came together. Watch. Last time we saw Darth Maul, he was getting his butt kicked by Palpatine. What has he been up to since then? You may have read Son of Dathomir. We continued his thread a little bit there, and a lot of people noticed that he did not die at the end of Son of Dathomir. People thought, oh, this is gonna finish the Darth Maul story. Well, no, we weren't done with Darth Maul just yet. Following the Clone War, Maul has had it tough. He knew now that the Emperor had all-out power, he couldn't be as overt as he had in the past. So really, he had to go into high if he wanted to survive. A lot of thought went into do we bring him back at all for this, but it just seemed like one of those things that was appropriate because so many people invested time into Clone Wars and that story and that character, and it was unresolved. What was it like stepping back into Maul's shoes, or should I say <laughs> he doesn't his, have shoes his robot legs? His robot legs. <laughs> Um, it was it was really fun. I mean, the, the thing that we always try to do with Maul is to bring something new to the character every time we revisit him. Going into this, trying to figure out what was the new ingredient, and I think he has a level of sincerity now that he maybe didn't have before. When he's fooling Ezra, when he's pretending to be this old, frail man, part of that has got to be the truth about his frailty, about what his 
intentions are toward Ezra, all those things. Ezra seems really tempted by Maul in this episode. Do you think he has any idea of what he's really getting himself into? No, he, I don't think he has any idea, really. He sees the power that Maul has. Maul sees the little opening and is like, I'm gonna take advantage of that in Ezra, that willingness to explore the dark side. Maul seems to have plans for making Ezra his apprentice. What are his motivations now? I think Maul is obsessed with legacy. You know, he's come to the realization that he's the last of his particular kind. Mother Talzin is gone. His brother is gone. When Obi-Wan stopped him in The Phantom Menace, it changed his entire line of where he might have been. And actually, we had an earlier version of the script where Ahsoka asked Maul who Vader is, and his response is simply, who I should have been. Maul is at a point where I think he sees his life isn't going to necessarily be one of power. This episode is almost like his last ditch effort at regaining some sense of power and control. But Maul is, as he tells Ahsoka, he is in his end game. That's what he's playing now. Kanan is blinded by Maul, but seems to recover and sort of gain his sight. How will this affect his abilities going forward? Well, as you know, one of the very first things a youngling learns is how to rely on other senses. Because Kanan went through traditional Jedi training, it is a fundamental skill that he has. I think as time goes on, Kanan will become more reliant on the Force to see. I think he'll be able to see wider and broader, and perhaps not only things that you see with your eyes. It's a make or break moment. You quit trying completely because it's too hard, or you accept the reality that you're in. To have your sight taken away and to feel like half the man you used to be is not going to be something that's easy for him. It's definitely going to be a process, and if he comes through, I guarantee you he'll be a stronger Jedi for it, but it's a big if. How long have you been thinking about this confrontation between Ahsoka and Vader? I've been thinking about this confrontation for a very long time, since way before Star Wars Rebels, actually. Dave and I had a conversation several years ago, and Dave told me that it probably wouldn't be a good thing for Ahsoka. The scene with him and her is something that I've played out in my head for a decade in many different places, locations, for many different reasons. The confrontation between Ahsoka and Vader really represents something important to us, especially because people wanted to see it. Whether she's alive or whether she's not, I just want to thank the fans. It's been exciting to watch fans really take to her over the years. It was a great moment and I hope I did it well. I hope people like it, and I hope it does justice for the fans' appreciation of the character. That's the biggest thing that I'm concerned about. I hope I've done well for them. Thank you uh, for joining me, Chopper. We have some very important business. You can call me Lord Maul. At last, we will reveal more news on the podcast. All right, so um, that was Rebels Recon. And, uh, you know, some very interesting things came up there. I like how Dave sort of said, you know, we did it because people would have wanted to see it. But the fact that he's had this moment playing out in his head for 10 years. Oh, man. He must have. I bet from the creation of Ahsoka, he's considered this. Because at some point, she has to disappear from the storyline because she's not in the movies. Right. Right. So in his head, does she die during the Clone Wars? Is that something where Anakin then has to deal with more... Uh, separation does that drive him to the dark side mm-hmm. or does she go past that and we get what we see here where then they're confronted with each other yeah anakin of his past as darth vader now remembering who he was yeah and what if what if any effect does that have on him and ahsoka how is she going to take with her former master this hero of the jedi of the republic becoming a sith lord yeah, and it's it's also something important to consider. Like a lot of people may have the same similar question as far as 
um, Ahsoka and her reluctance to believe that Anakin's still in in Vader, right? Like Luke has an undying faith that his father is still alive, right? But Ahsoka is almost so shaken and disturbed by what he's become that all she can think about is avenging Anakin, right? And I think there's some there's some difference there as far as how she responds as not a Jedi and how how Luke That's does, right. right? And so because she, I she's no longer a Jedi. Exactly, yeah. And and I've always thought to myself, like, maybe maybe could she have turned Anakin back? And I don't think I don't think, I think she Dave actually dir- directly Did he state this at some this? point? No. He he basically said that Luke is the only person who could do it. Because he's right. the only person that could get to Anakin in that specific way, and that's because of the connection to Padme. Right. Oh, yeah, a connection to Padme, but also, I mean, you know, this is this is his son, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is like, this is something unique and special and unlike anything that he has with anyone else, right? Like, it's something he doesn't share with his master, with Obi-Wan, who is basically like, uh, yeah, like but, his brother. But, but what I'm getting at is it's his son because of Padme. Right, yeah. Right, and that that's was, I guess that was the, the whole reason. The yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the whole reason why it would turn in the first place. So, um, yeah, something uh, something that came up in this episode was, uh, so uh, like, like, like how they continue with the Clone Wars track of, of continuity, uh, things get kicked off with Ahsoka's Clone Wars reference to Rex, seeing that now she's got more experience than he does. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of funny. He didn't take that too well, I don't think. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just kind of sad to see her go. You could see in Rex's face that, like, he almost knows it's the last time that he might see her, right? Oh, yeah. Just everyone's got this very bad feeling going to Malachor, mm-hmm. you know? It's not a good good place. He knows that it's a forbidden place for Jedi. And did you uh, catch what specifically Caden said to Hera? Uh, I can't remember exactly. We will see each other again. Don't worry. Ah, yeah. We will Those see each other again. Words. Well, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, sad. Yeah. Sad right there. Bit sad there. Um, I like what Ahsoka says about how there's always a bit of truth in legends. This is like a quote that I think has been even cycled into, into a book in the, the first opening couple pages if I, if I come to understand it, uh, isn't this what Dave Floney yeah. used to explain to you? <laughs> yes, that's kind of what I'm getting at. So season okay. three is big for Star Wars because not only does I mean we've already spoken about numerous Kotor references in in the last part of Rebels talk. I mean you know you mentioned it, uh, but also I mean we're seeing the return of Thrawn. We're seeing uh, the return of a lot of things to canon which were once part of eu material and this is something we bring up frequently on the podcast and uh you know i just like i just wanted to highlight that quote because um i believe at some point you know that was um a quote that was used by dave right Uh, to describe how you know to look at star wars legends is not we should definitely make a, a star wars escape pod podcast shirt that has that line somewhere yeah definitely it's always a bit of truth in legends there's always a bit of truth in the escape pod. No. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> 
Uh, Malachor's surface properties. I like the fact that the hollow kind of shell over the planet. That was cool. Like, do you like that? They fall right through and, I don't know, it makes it look like, like something. They, they've hollowed out the planet and then... Well, I don't know. I don't even know. So the way I pictured it was some crazy disaster happened there that turned everyone to ash, right? Mm -hmm. And my thought was, oh, how crazy cool would it be that that's what made all those pillars of stone, which is supporting this like atmospheric ball around the planet? Do you think that that created the show? Yeah, I think. As opposed to it was tunneled. Yeah, maybe maybe something atmospheric wise has created this secondary kind of layer over top of the planet mm-hmm. and it's being supported by these giant pillars but maybe maybe that's that's what happened. Like maybe in uh, the entrance ways you just touch a pillar and then it just collapses you. It all crumbles, yeah. What yeah. a horrible door. Yeah. <laughs> is that by design? No idea. Fire that engineer. <laughs> Remember in Star Wars, there's no safety rails. There's no uh, no smart planning of anything. It's nope. just, yeah. Hey, George, why why isn't there a railing here? Um, Cheap labor. Yeah, no, just, just no. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch, budget cuts. Yeah, budget cuts, you know, make it cheap. Um, actually, it's not in the budget. I don't like our budget, not their budget, our budget. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the cross guard saber returns to Star Wars. Oh, yes. We hinted at this in an earlier Rebels Talk episode. We were talking about the cross guard saber and different saber designs, spinning sabers, everything like that. Yeah. This episode is the one that introduces the the helicopter saber yeah. as well. We can talk about all these. Or all I mean, what do you? What would oh, you like okay. to talk about? Well, I mean, let's do some of them lay it out on the table. Let's but. do well. We could retouch <laughs> on what we talk about the cross guard saber. Yeah, I know. This became controversial because they changed it from from when Force Awakens came out to this, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about this a bit. Because it was supposed to be that Kylo Ren's saber's crystal was cracked, so that was excess energy being blown out so it doesn't explode. Mm-hmm. But then in this, is it that is it still the same case? It's just that the, it's because it's an older design that they couldn't find a way to properly contain the pa- the power from the crystal or is it i guess now we're seeing high republic people just have whatever they want so now it's more of just an aesthetic choice i guess so i guess so i don't know i mean that see so in the high republic i think what we're led to believe is that this lightsaber has been around for a while this design is being used by people of that time and it's been used by people long ago based on what we're seeing here in this rebels episode but um, I think the idea that Kylo Ren's lightsaber is not doing that ventilation, like you said, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things. I think with stories coming out constantly across the board, things sometimes just have to evolve. And if there's no in film reason, they don't always look at the reference books as like canon. I don't think as canon as I mean. Look at the Canon comics or the Ahsoka novel or whatever. They're constantly being overwritten a little bit by animated yeah. projects. So I think the reference books alone are just kind of, you know, looked at as the least of their worries. If they have to overwrite something later, you know, that's just that's just storytelling, right? Well, they don't want to be hampered by story going forward by yeah. the mistakes of the past. Yeah, the, the mistakes of... Uh, Whoever's been Pablo writing the new source book or whatever. You know? I think we're learning that <laughs> Star Wars canon is maybe closer to the Ministry of Truth. 
Yeah. Yeah. Than we may once wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, the spinning copter savers. Um, I'm trying to find the Pablo quote for it, but because a lot of people were very upset when this happened. Yeah. Yeah. It is so stupid. It is really dumb. I still think to this day it's probably the dumbest thing. Probably. To Probably. I think... Okay, so... I'm trying to think. Uh, just the animated series or all Disney Star Wars? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just... So, just to pause on the copter thing and re-bring up an old sort of puzzle in general, right? There's two things. Force power-wise, um, force speed. We never see them use it again. They've yeah. used it once in The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Never again, right? Is but it I use a, it all the time in games. <laughs> yeah, in I'm, video games, I, I use it as Cal- wasting time walking around at regular speed. Yeah, as Cal Kestis, I use it quite a bit to do my parkour. I'm, I'm going to be honest, but maybe just going to the shop from the ship to the shop, I'll use it to get there twice as fast. Point being, in the animated shows or live action, we haven't seen force speed being used since episode one, right? And then uh, the Gendi Tartavoski Clone Wars series. Okay, there's a moment where. This is Legends material. Uh, there's a moment where Dooku flies. He, he levitates. levitates himself off a four-story building, sort of Overwatch area. Yeah, and he levitates himself down to the ground level where Asajj Ventress is, and his cape's flapping behind him, and he's got his arms kind of spread out like side to side, like Scarlet Witch style, right? Yeah. And I just always thought to myself, that looks so stupid and so awkward. Like, does that mean Jedi can technically fly? Like, technically was, they can. What's right? funny is I've techni- like I've I've kind of always considered that because if you ever played Battlefront Two, the old one, and you played the Jedi the combat, whatever, whatever right? Yeah. There's the two types. There's the ath- the athletic characters and Anakin, Darth Maul, whatever, and they could kind of double jump to infinity, like jump yeah. in the air. And then the, the more hobbled characters that aren't as agile, Darth Vader, Palpatine, uh, I think Dooku as well, they they levitate around. It's a slower jump, sort of, so to speak. Yeah, but yeah. instead of instead of actually physically jumping motion wise, they like they mm. float. Right. So I've kind of always seen that. Yeah. I always figured that was similar to So if, if you had telekinesis like using the force, make stuff float. Is there any reason why you couldn't use that on yourself to make yourself float? See, that's what Magneto does. Exactly. Right? Like he's he uses the metal around him to push himself up sort of thing, right? Well, even that's okay. That he's pushing stuff below him down, but you could also use the force to lift yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. And th- that's, that's kind of the thing, right? Is like the force has so many possibilities, like force speed being one of them, like, you know, and, it's even in books sometimes, for speed. But if you think about it, it's, it is still kind of strange that because it is really like super power level stuff, you know, having things like force speed and levitation, they don't really quite sound like Jedi attributes necessarily mm-hmm. or any kind of force. You know, it, it's something that's just not really necessarily always associated with Star Wars like as a story, right? And I, I, mean, I, I just thought to myself, like, just because something can be done in lore or in story or whatever i get there's little probe droids that fly without wings and propellers and whatever they just have the tech inside of them to make them hover around like that i get it 
Does that mean that that can fit in a lightsaber hilt? Yes. Impulsors. Does it mean that it can, that it should be done? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> my whole like, point it's, being it's not even that, right? Like if they had a device that they could hold on to and fly around, sure. But I think it's just the idea that it's a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> but like, why? Okay, so if if the technology is in the hilt, why does it have to spin like that? Like, why can't they just? I guess they didn't want a Mary Poppins looking thing. But they got it anyways. I would almost say the blade should be off. Then, it's, then it'd be fine. Yeah, and there's some sort of other effect comes out of the, the hilt, maybe? Not even. Just have them hold it up and just, you know, hang there. I think, that's, I think that's what they didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, my whole point being, like, just because just because they can do something doesn't mean they should, right? Like, same, the, the, the force, the force levitation thing. I don't want to see that again. The force speed. Right. I don't really want to see that again. I don't... I, I, I could uh, see that being used well. I could see it being used like, well. Like a Neo yeah. moment where someone's got to get rescued. Yeah, some cool like effect with the camera could be interesting like, to like... like flash. Yeah, so... Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, maybe a bit better than that, but... Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what it would be like. Anyway. Yeah, I know Anyways. what you mean, though. Like, yeah. we don't really need... Just because Chewbacca can be crushed by a moon doesn't mean we need to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I always just thought it was a little stupid. But hey, send an email in. Let us know what your thoughts are on the spinning helicopter saber. And Okay, here's the worst part of it, right? Mm-hmm. When you see them flying by, you actually hear the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that actually sounds like a helicopter. Not even like... Like a cartoon helicopter, too. Yeah, it's just like, seriously, you couldn't have sort of like, you know, like something a little more lightsaber-y. Like, why does it have to be a straight up Apache helicopter? Like, are you kidding me, Dave? Like, come on, man. I don't know if Dave made the call on that one or not. Well, I mean, I don't know. but you know, He wasn't there that day. Yeah, I wanted it to sound a bit more uh, helicoptery, you know, just make it more like a helicopter. Some people are obsessed with with trains. Dave's obsessed with helicopters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, There's one. Oh, so I couldn't find the exact quote, but I know people were asking Pablo about this because everyone's complaining, right? So he explained it that it works that there's repulsors, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they call it. It's like anti-grav tech. So there's really no reason for it to rotate at all. Right. It's like a speeder. And yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be exactly like a speeder. And the other thing that was asked is like, why? Why does this exist? Why is it necessary? Maybe it was Dave. Maybe, maybe it was Dave. I'm not sure exactly who. But apparently it was ju- the sole reason why they added it was because they needed an excuse to get them from one side of the map to the to the other. Yeah. I feel like if that was the only reason they needed it, like just it would cut. be just jump cut, just jump cut. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, one, no one's gonna question it. Or like, okay, we've seen Obi Wan hang off a probe before. Why can't like, why can't that one Seventh Sister have like three of them and they all kind of they fly around like like seagulls on a string? Yeah, they just all grab one and be like, you know, like James the Giant Peach flying around on these probes. I don't know. <laughs> Even that would have been a li- like it would have still looked stupid, but it would have been better than helicopter lightsabers. Yeah, man. Terrible. <laughs> Just terrible. The rest of the, the two part episode was great. Like, yeah, 
don't think there's anything else. I love these episodes. They're so good. Don't get me wrong. I love these episodes. I hate the cross the 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 helicopter lightsabers, but here we go. Yeah, that's 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 the rant. That's the rant, everybody. We got, we got, we got it out of our system. Um, Ezra introduces himself to Maul as Jabba. Does it again. <laughs> I thought this was over. Is he, he's still doing this? He's still doing it. He's still doing it. And does Maul... Maul would know Jabba. Maul has spoken to Jabba. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say anything. No, he doesn't. <laughs> you can call me Old Master. It is... Nice to meet you, Jabba. <laughs> uh, you can call me Jabba. You can call me Jabba. <laughs> make it sound like a toddler. Make, make it sound like Dave. Yeah, you can call me Jabba. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, Maul gives Ezra the, the truth about the Jedi, the Sith Inquisitors, that they're all his enemies, and uh, he's got nothing. Like He's got yeah. nothing left. You know, he's... That's crazy to think about, right? It was the most genuine moment I think I've ever seen Maul in. You know, he's not deceiving anybody here. Because he, he, like, Ezra asks him, like, you know, so you're not a Jedi. And, you know, he kind of explains that. And he's like, wait, but that, does that mean you're a Sith? Like, and he go, he kind of pauses for a moment because at once upon a time, he would have called himself a Sith, right? Oh, even, sure. even after his return, he, like, took on his brother as an apprentice. And they called themselves the true Sith Lords until right. Palpatine came in and messed everything up for him. But, you know, he kind of thinks about it for a second. He goes, the Sith, the Sith took everything from me, you know, and he kind of goes on a tangent about how he was used as a weapon and a cast aside. And it's like, you really start to feel bad for this guy. Yeah. You know, and like, he's just been discarded and wasted by, he's got enemies, the empires hunting him down with their inquisitors. He was a Sith Lord that was cast aside. He's been fighting the Jedi his whole life. You know, he's got enemies basically everywhere he looks. And this is after the collapse of what I believe at, is a story that we will get at, at some point um, of Crimson Dawn, right? So like Crimson Dawn, which we saw him at the, as the head of in Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah, we're he, missing this whole section of yeah, still, aren't we? I mean, we got to keep in mind that the Rebels Recon episode that we listened to was before Clone Wars was finished. It was before so, Solo came yeah. out. And uh, it was also... Uh, you know, right around the time that I think they just released all the the Clone Wars legacy stuff, like Dark Disciple and Son of Dathomir, the the okay. continuation of those unproduced Clone Wars episodes that are still Clone Wars episodes, but you know, in a comic book form. Um, so yeah, it was just like, man, like there's like a lot to keep in mind here. Like this guy used to have his own like kind of criminal organization, and now it's, what happened? That still seems so strange to me. Yeah. Yeah, I like, don't know if it's weirder to see Darth Maul leading a crime syndicate or Boba Fett. I'd like to see. <laughs> I I prefer Darth Maul leading a crime syndicate because he already Boba. did it once. Yeah, he already did it once. Yeah, Taking but, Mandalore. Yeah, he also has he, like the Clone Wars arc where he makes all those allies, you know, for the for the whatever he calls it, the Shadow Collective, mm -hmm. you know, to take back Mandalore. Like that was it makes sense with that storyline, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just I just thought like okay. This guy's been through a lot. <laughs> uh, how did he end up here? And that's a story that we don't have. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing whatever they end up doing with that. 
And I'm it's pretty sure be if, something sad because everything he does it just gets stripped away from him. Yeah, he, he strives and strives and strives to get ahead. Yeah, and he just no matter what he does, it just never works out for him. Never. Yeah. Is he is he too greedy? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I like, don't think, I don't think he'd be content being a farmer. Like he, he he's so driven for revenge. So, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. He's just like the way that Dave described him, or Sam described him at one point was. He's a he's a guy who consistently tries to push a boulder up a hill and it just keeps you know mowing him back down again and mm-hmm. it rolls at the bottom. He's just constantly failing. Like every time he tries to He's trying to do something so difficult it's beyond yeah. him, but he's just determined. Yeah, exactly. And and he does it out of revenge, like you say, but he's also a, a purely rageful, vengeful person, like by by nature. Like that's just and how that's he's how always he, lived. He, he was raised by Palpatine from a yeah. boy to be a Sith assassin. So it's all he knows. Yeah. He was ripped from crazy. anyone that I would have loved or cared about him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was already from a hard world. So even that would have been tough. I like it. I like how they kind of insinuated that when Ezra asks what his true name is. And like insta- in- instantly I thought like, oh, Maul's his name. But then I was like, no, wait, no, that's not his name. No, it was a title. That's his title. Yeah. And that's why he says, just call me Maul. Because like, that's all he knows. Like that's, he doesn't have a name. Like that's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah let me see here. Um, so much to talk about. In this, this oh, so much. Yeah. Uh, Maul repeats what Ahsoka says about knowing the enemy. But he adds, even practice their belief. <laughs> I yeah, thought it was yeah, just sneaking in there. Kind of a funny, like, twisted way of, like, kind of... Do, she, he said exactly what Ahsoka says about, you know, in order to defeat your enemy, you must know them, right? Yeah, yeah. But then he adds that little extra thing, like, you know, but, like, even practice their beliefs, right? Yeah. It reminded me, first and foremost, of Palpatine in episode yeah, three. exactly. When he says to Anakin, like, you know, like, my mentor taught me everything about the Force, including the nature of the dark side. You know, like, then he goes on yeah. to say, like, you know, how one must uh, discover all yeah, not, things about the Force, not, not just, just the simple the, dogmatic view yeah, of the Jedi. The narrow right? dogmatic view of yeah. the Jedi. It's like, if, it's like if someone uh, someone said that about, like, drugs or something like that. It's just like, you know, like... In order to understand the mind of a drug addict, one must, uh, you know, understand them. But, the uh, and then sneak in, like, even practice some of the drugs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> even use and abuse yourself. You know, I'm uh, dealing if you want to try it out. <laughs> you want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know why I jumped to the drug parallel, but it's just one. It's, it's you know, death like sticks, man. It's definitely the death sticks. Is yeah, to the Jedi though, that's sticks. kind of what it is, right? Like to the Jedi, the the temptation and the the anger and everything for them, it's like a drug because they can get they can get consumed by it, right? Like that's kind of the terminology that gets thrown around when they start dealing with these these things, especially with the holocron, which can be such a concentrated, effective way of manipulating a Jedi and and you know we see the result yeah. of what happens with Ezra like mm-hmm. you can almost compare that to you know the power of the ring from Lord of the Rings or even you know something very very uh, yeah, addictive you, you have right? a seek to use its power for good yeah and it corrupts you in the process yeah yeah exactly like Anakin gets a taste of vengeance of revenge when he murders all the Tusken Raiders uh, over his the death of his mother right 
And I think that leaves a lasting effect on them. And it, we're painted this, if you take all the other Star Wars stories out of the picture and you just watch George's solid, pure vision of the six films, right? You go from one episode to the next. And in episode three, when, when he kills Dooku and Palpatine reminds him of, you know, remember what you told of me of your mother and the sand people? Yeah, and you hear it echo in the background. It is a lasting effect that it's had on him. So I think once he's had that taste of revenge, he knows how to tap into that power when he needs it, right? When he wants it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it serves him. And that's why the Jedi are so paranoid and so cautious of anything Sith related is because like, they don't even want the simple hint of they don't want temptation they don't want anything yeah they yeah yeah. but that's ultimately instead of learning to strengthen yourself against it they've blinded themselves yeah they've blinded themselves and that's that they've essentially blinded themselves by not understanding their enemy properly enough right and that's why when yoda comes to the revelation that you know the dark side has clouded their vision you know, they're no longer able to see anything because essentially their dogmatic views have sort of done it to them to themselves in a, in a way, right? So that that's an entire, like, deep discussion that we could go down. But um, do you want to add anything out of that or do you want to no, try to move on? I think you talked about it pretty good there because it was almost like the best thing the Sith did was convince them they were all extinct. Right. And they just let them become prideful. Yeah. Right? yeah, and then their own their own dogma turned against them. Yeah, uh, Maul has a serious dental plan. Uh, <laughs> last time I saw him, he had yellow sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. Now he's got pretty pearly whites under there. <laughs> yeah, his teeth did seem different to me. It was the model for Rebels. They went with a clean look for his teeth. And I was like, that is the stupidest change they could have possibly made. What did he have in Phantom Menace? Ugly yellow teeth. Were they, ye- were they sharp? Were oh, they yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like fangs? Kind like, of. Yeah, they were like given a given a given a an edge to it. Yeah, like it was like rotten and... Uh, uh, cause he, he smiles at, uh, or he, he kind of does this like, you know, thing like when he's fighting, right? Yeah. He does that. And he, yeah. he's like, kind of grits his teeth together and, and you see inside of his mouth and it's like, ugh, like there's nothing nice about it. Like it's here. Like you can, you can see kind of like, uh, kind of here. Like it's like, Oh yeah. They're all rotten. They're and, all tarry. Yeah. They're all tarry. So like, I guess, I guess he does have proper teeth but they're all dirty all the time he's never brushed he's never yeah he never brushes it's always just you know black grimy he's been yeah it's like chewing on road tar yeah yeah exactly yeah he's got black around the edges of his teeth and around the bottom and i don't even know what it's supposed to be but in rebels like he's got pure white teeth again it's like what like someone get this guy to do trapped on malachor so you just Brushing his teeth. I guess. So. I guess. So. Or you found some pretty so, teeth whitening food there. They say white strips. Yeah. Whitening strips. <laughs> they're just there on on the planet. Yeah. Can I uh, trouble you for a a white strip? <laughs> um, I, I don't eat sugar anymore. <laughs> uh, so 
the duel is pretty amazing. You know, they, they, uh, the Inquisitors call him the Shadow. That's and right. That yeah, was because he's elusive. I'm guessing they were. That was a pretty cool. Turn. Yeah, exactly. It was like that is an elusive. I mean, for an Inquisitor to hunt an ex Sith Lord, like that's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's. And they like, send the worst one. This new guy is probably the worst of the three. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was just his, like his helmet was cool, and we didn't talk about the fact that the they revealed that the race of the new Inquisitor, the third one. The th- yeah, he's, he's a Django the, jumper. That's right. Yeah, which we only saw. Uh, in Clone Wars previously. Exactly. Yeah, there was, the Django jumpers were featured in an episode where Ahsoka gets her lightsaber stolen. And uh, the the alien species can jump an incredibly far and high distance. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of their attributes. And, uh, and they're all related to Django Fett. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> um, I love... Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, I'll skip over this. Fall back... Um, we meet again, Lady Tarno, uh, reference to something that he calls Ahsoka in the finale for Clone Wars, which is amazing that they were able to recycle this back into the script for Clone Wars season seven when mm-hmm. they finished the Clone Wars. Man, yeah, because they, they did it out of order. So all the times that stuff gets kind of yep. rough around the edges. It doesn't Ex- quite line up. Exactly. No, it was played out perfectly. Continuity wise, it holds up very, very well. And also Maul calls her like a part-time Jedi. Yeah, two Jedi and a part-timer. Because he knows she's not a full Jedi because of their duel. Yeah, exactly. Because they're confronted with that. Exactly, yeah. So Dave has been thinking about this a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Ezra saves Kanan twice in the same set of episodes from the same Inquisitor, and the one time that he's not around, he gets defeated by Maul. Uh, well, not defeated, but, you know, oh, he loses man. his eyes. Do you think that was, like, foreshadowing that literally every single time... They Look out! Yeah, Ezra <laughs> would save him. Oh, ev- literally every time. Twice in a row. Ugh. Same guy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Waiting for his chance to strike. Yeah. All right, he's not looking. I'm going to go in. Gonna okay. go. Do you hear something? Look out! <laughs> No, I don't hear anything. <laughs> All right. Um, Maul and Kanan each uh, use the, the lifts on the Malachor Sith Temple to instruct teachings to Ezra. And I thought that was kind of a comical thing that just sort of every time they're on the lift together, like they tap Ezra on the shoulder. It's like, hey, you can't listen to that guy. You know, like give them a, it's like Jedi advice, Sith advice, Jedi advice, Sith Back advice. Back and forth, yeah. Back and forth, yeah. Ezra's like, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What makes me more powerful? <laughs> just make him sound like Anakin. <laughs> I need to become more powerful. Is it possible? Is it possible? This power. Is it possible to learn this power? Don't underestimate my power. <laughs> <laughs> That was oh a, those are of videos on YouTube. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> um, those, those YouTube like caricature versions of Anakin <laughs> are so good. He's so dopey. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Maul says he can't defeat Vader alone. And I really like that. I really like the fact that he admits right off the bat he's not powerful enough to go up against the new Sith Lord, but also... He knows who he is. Mm-hmm. 
Like, let's not forget that in the finale of Clone Wars... He knows specifically it's Anakin? He knows that it's Anakin. That's why he orchestrated, he says he orchestrated the whole thing, all of the Mandalore takeover, so that he would lure Kenobi and Anakin there, so that he could kill the Emperor's prize. And that, that was like a revelation to me when I watched that Clone Wars episode. Like I was like, <sighs> it's like what? Because like he knows Palpatine's plan. He knows the end game. He knows Order sixty six. He knows what's gonna happen. Right. He knows all of this stuff. That's why he's preparing for the the oncoming tsunami of the power struggle. And he says that when this power struggle happens, he will thrive in the in the new. The new world, the new galaxy, the you know the, the opportunity to expand and to grow in this in this political shift is going to be what he uses to gain power, right? But boy, did that not work out? Yeah, but then in addition to that, you know, he wants to claim Palpatine's prize, you know, and and deprive him of mm-hmm. of that power because he knows the importance of this of this boy right of, the, of Anakin does he know he's, he's had a vision quote unquote chosen one no um, and we know that because we've seen season three of Star Wars Rebels already mm-hmm. but uh, this does remain a looming question for him and it's something that's always puzzled him and it it also makes me wonder whether or not the Sith do in canon have the same belief of the chosen one but maybe choose not to believe it because well they did wasn't it the Sithari well that's a legends thing that's a legends thing but in canon Maul knows of of the chosen one philosophy of the of the prophecy right? right because he asks somebody about it and I think my theory is that this prophecy is known to the Sith but they just don't want it to happen. And that's why Palpatine goes out of his way to claim Anakin for himself, right? To use that power for himself. Corrupts it, yeah. Exactly. And that's what they do. That's what the Sith do. They're, they're, it, they're all about greed and power. It's like, if this is power that's intended to be used against us, it's, a, it's it. probably the Sith way to claim it for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that a, a lot. He, he admits right off the bat, boom, I can't defeat Vader alone. And he doesn't tell them who it is, but he's... That's to him. That well, doesn't they matter. Find out Vader's coming. That's yeah, how it comes up. exactly. Uh, Ezra says, "Oh yeah, sorry, I already said that." Uh, Maul and Cannon. Yeah, oh, no, I already said that too. <laughs> <laughs> Maul kills two out of the three Inquisitors, and yeah. uh, and and a failed lightsaber kills the third. So they were just dropping like flies and in this one. I actually got kind of annoyed by this because like we went through an entire season where Cannon uh, and Ezra just are. And, and Soka are incapable of taking these Inquisitors out, and then Maul shows up, kills all three in like yeah five seconds. Yeah, yeah. And it made them look quite incompetent. And it got me thinking too, because the fifth brother is becoming such a prominent character now. We're seeing him in these live action stuff, and dude, he dies worse than the original Boba Fett death. Like it's pretty pathetic. Yeah, yeah, it's like, pretty bad. He gets plebbed really hard. Well, also it's kind of one of those things. It's like it's it's a it's a can of worms because now they've since Clone Wars and all these other things. Like Jedi can clearly survive drops from a huge distance, right? Because they just use the Force to yeah slow levi- themselves yeah right. slow themselves down, and they you know they wait. Did you say levitate? Levitate themselves, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, or uh, you know, I, yeah, they, like they've done it for a long time. So to me, I was just I mean, like, that's how is Mace that? Windu survived the fight with? <laughs> Spread of rumors here. George Lucas said it was. Like Sam just wants his job back. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's just one of those things. Where like, okay, that dude could be alive. And for a moment, I thought maybe that's the guy in Ahsoka, but um, no, it's it's not. Uh, uh, close analyzation of the Ahsoka trailer. Uh, it's a humanoid ish. You know, like he doesn't have the weird feet that this guy has. Okay. This guy, he's not wearing like you can see his appendages. He's got these like frog-like feet, yeah, right? And in the Ahsoka trailer, the the new Inquisitor that's showing up all of a sudden, he's just wearing straight up boots. So, okay, yeah, there's no Django jumper in there. Um, Unless it was a retcon. Yeah, well, yeah, who knows? But the helmet is very it's very similar. similar. Yeah, yeah, medieval knightish. It is century. It is, yeah. Uh, Maul's betrayal and blinding of Kanan. You know, third time's a charm with Kanan not having Ezra around to knock him out of the way. Um, but that duel that he has very briefly, that Kanan kind of bests him over the edge. Did you like that? I would say Maul was toying with him. His overconfidence is what messed him up. His overconfidence was his weakness. Yeah. Honestly, that's what it comes down to. Because if it was just a straight up battle, I think Maul would have won. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I liked attributes about it. I liked I like Cannon's move. The animation was great. Um, I, I like how uh, confident he was in that in that final duel before he shoves him over the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's not really much to say out there, but like like it I liked quick. it. It was very quick. Yeah, I mean I do like a drawn out duel, but like it was very quick, and I have a hard time believing Maul would so easily lose his footing like that. But I mean I guess I don't know. I guess it works. Like I, I liked it. It was it was. Pretty good. I was just kind of curious what your thoughts were. Um, Ahsoka's duel with Vader, that's another thing. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming you'd like that one. It was all right. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was where the half-helmet Vader Anakin coming out with the one eye began. The first time. The first time. We find out it, this has happened five or six times in canon now. <laughs> Well, Almost they, every time Vader gets into a duel, his face gets hit, and then we find out it's Anakin again. Right. The this the the duel in Obi Wan Kenobi was the second time that they've done it, but now chronologically, this is the second time that it's happened. And um, I guess because when it happened, Vader was caught off guard because mm-hmm. he was busy uh, using the Force. On yeah, he was Vader, busy yeah. trying to take the hologram, the holocron. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's the only right. reason why he got hit um but i mean i i liked it i liked it a lot i liked how matt lanter comes out and plays the voice of anakin again and they have the the mix between james earl jones and matt lanter was amazing it's funny because it's exactly what they did in right in kenobi except it was hayden exactly yeah so i liked it a lot and uh would i want to see it again i mean third time no I mean, like, it's so cool, but, like, it, what makes it special is that it doesn't happen all the time. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I agree. I almost think two is too much, honestly. Yeah. It, I, I get why they did it, because they did it the first time in Rebels, because it was super cool, and it still is super cool. But then they did it again in Kenobi, because they're like, oh, it's live action. So, like, now we can do it the way we really want to do it. I prefer the Rebels but, version. I mean, oh, really? not just because it's Ahsoka, 
Um, there's one small, so just the aesthetic, not the whole moment, because the, the moment with Obi Wan was like mm -hmm. it, he was, cr you know, like there was a lot of emotion there, right? Like I loved it. It was it was amazing. I dug it up. The one thing I didn't like about it was that they removed his yellow eyes, and I didn't like that. In Kenobi version, yeah. Mm. But yeah, what were you gonna say? I'll say they should go back and do a new special edition of Empire Strikes Back, and then in the duel with Luke. Luke should cut his mask off and see the see oh, face. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the the yellow eyes though. Like when he becomes a Sith Lord, he gets the yellow eyes. Yeah, we see that at the temple. Yeah, and exactly, and he has moments where he fluctuates, right? Like when he's around Padme, he loses them again, and when he's fighting Obi Wan, he doesn't have them. But then when he kills all the, all the, all the separatists, he's got them again, mm -hmm. and. Yeah, it was just, I don't, actually, you know, weirdly enough, we didn't see him at the temple with the, the eyes themselves. But then again, we don't see a crazy amount of him actually slaughtering Jedi. <laughs> um, we only see him marching in to kill all the Jedi. Mm. Uh, what I liked about the Sith eyes was that it indicates to us that all those moments that we see him as Vader, there is something that's, there's something about the human eye that's very distinguishable about a person. You know, you can look into their eyes and you can know it's them. You know what I mean? Like, I say, you can look into their eyes and if they're yellow and red, then they're probably a Then run, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, just, it's one of those things, right? Like, it's just like, like Anakin has, he's, Anakin is gone, right? And yeah. like the eyes really do a lot to distinguish the difference because he's got the face of, the face is now the mask. But then when the mask is chopped and you see what's underneath, there should not be a recognizable person under there. Mm -hmm. Like there should be a very distinct, evil, twisted looking person that is hard to look at, right? And, you know, all I, li all I could think about when I see the animated version here is that the, the yellow eye really sells it because yeah, that's that, what's different about Anakin, right? He's he, not he in there. Lost. He looks, yeah. yeah, he's lost in hatred and he's, mm -hmm. he's, as Yoda and Obi-Wan would say, he's, he's um, consumed by, by evil, right? And I think that's the perfect way to depict it. And um, there was something I really missed from the Obi-Wan show, but that was my only gripe about it. And uh, I don't know, maybe he just didn't want to wear the contact lenses or whatever, but they could have added it in post. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, just throwing it out there. I didn't realize he didn't have them. That's, mm. That was yeah, that was a poor decision. Yeah. I agree with you on that. He definitely should have had that. Yeah, it makes me wonder then when he's confronted with a lot of the stuff, a lot of these poor, like horrible choices he makes. Does Anakin keep coming out, and then he chooses to do the, you know, the evil decision? And it's like a hard thing for him to do every time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, until Luke. Here's another possibility. Actually, maybe you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the yellow eyes are. Maybe the yellow eyes are there. Maybe it's just the lighting of his lightsaber. I'm just looking at it now. They gotta be, man. I don't know how they would miss that. They're not glowing, though. Like, they glow. They're supposed to glow, right? Aren't they? Maul's eyes didn't glow in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. Maybe I'm... Maybe it's a red herring. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought for a second... I thought Anakin yellow eyes in episode three was, like... They're very bright, but that's direct light and everything. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess they just, to me, they just look different, but whatever. Um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Ahsoka is go visible. Ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'll say tweet us, tweet us what you think. Yeah. Tweet us <laughs> what you think. Yeah. You know what? Maybe the eyes are yellow in Kenobi. Maybe it's just my, maybe my own eyes going on. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Josh is wrong. Yeah. Hashtag Josh is wrong. Um, no, but what do you like better? Do you, would you want to see him with the eyes without the eyes? Another confusing thing is why does Dooku not have the yellow eyes? Also um, a good question. Yeah. Do well, they come and go as well? Yeah, they got to show up when he uses lightning, right? Can't remember. No, I don't think they do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I want some lore on this, Pablo. Where are you, Pablo? Pablo, Feel start safe. your engines. <laughs> uh, Ahsoka is visible walking into the temple in a triangular doorway, while Vader is seen alive walking away from the wreckage of of the Malachor Sith temple. And uh, on top of that, Ezra opens the Sith holocron and opens a can of worms with it. Um, in addition to that, Kanan reminds me of General Ram Koda. That's a lot to unpack. Yeah, a lot. A lot like General Ram Koda. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ram Koda, character from The Force Unleashed. You're playing it right now again. Yeah, which is it's really uncanny because Starkiller is voiced by Sam Witwer and Darth Maul is voiced by Sam Witwer. So I keep hearing the same person. Yeah. It's throwing me off. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Vader walking away, Ahsoka lives. Uh, I think we all kind of knew Ahsoka was alive. Well, but. it's interesting because the Rebels thing we just listened to, right? Rebels Recon. Mm-hmm. They talk about how this was the end of Ahsoka, like how they knew Ahsoka's story was, you know, there was there was an end point, right? Right. And we kind of talked about this a little bit before we, I think, start recording this. I think this may have been where it was supposed to end. I think it's possible that the original story was Vader was to kill Ahsoka. And this part of Vader's story. Right. But due to fan outcry, I think they changed it and brought her back. Well, I have the Blu-ray and I remember seeing her walk into the cave. But I think the theory was, was that just like an illusion? You know, was that just a force ghost, if you will, or something like mm. that. But there was always something there. Like there was always the doorway with her walking into it. Yeah. And so, but I do remember an unsuredness, like you say, like an unsuredness, like did she live, right? Um, and we never really got an answer for that for a long time. No, it was a very long time. And then it was finally revealed at Star Wars Celebration with Dave Filoni just wearing a shirt that said Ahsoka lives. Yeah, it was like a hashtag on his t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. And uh, season four, I believe, was when when the follow-up to that storyline happens and opens a whole new debate for something in Star Wars lore involving a world between worlds of time travel. And we'll get into that when we get there, which wouldn't won't be long. But um, as we all know, you know, Ahsoka makes it to the point of the Mandalorian timeline and carries in her own show. So she she does live. <laughs> and uh, we would not be talking about this if, if that was not the case. That's true. <laughs> the whole point of us doing this is leading to Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad they made that decision. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. 
Uh, and that is everything that we have for these two episodes, for the end of season two. Uh, is there any last minute things you want to bring up before we hit season three? What does the Emperor Palpatine do with the power of the temple? The power of Malachor Sith Temple? I, I don't really know. It, it's, it, it is truly beyond me what runs through that guy's head. <laughs> Just collect stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just collect stuff. But ultimately, okay, just to flash back real quick to that conversation we had about Yoda and like the whole go to Malachor thing. Mm -hmm. Is it more evident now why now that we've talked about this whole Malachor thing unfolding, is it more evident as to like my theory that supports the idea that he only gave that piece of advice because he saw the 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 better future out of going there rather than not going there because there was nothing that really came out of it no they gained a sith holocron that'll tempt yeah and that was it but the hell the holocrons we know later combine and give them a thing so yeah but we'll see what yeah but that doesn't even like no it still doesn't do anything no it still doesn't do anything <laughs> like uh well, they released Maul into the world, and Kanan got blinded. Yeah. And now Ezra's turned to the dark side. I think the best so thing... So Yoda that, helped a lot. The best thing that came out of any of this was that the three Inquisitors died. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> and they died very poorly. So probably yeah. You would have thought it could have been done in a much easier fashion. Yeah, yeah, you'd think, yeah. yeah Yoda's first poor advice. I don't know. No, I, I, I'm sticking with my theory. I think I think Yoda saw a, a worse future if they hadn't gone to Melkor, and that was just the the hell they had to get dragged through in order to come out with the be the better result of you know despite all the scars that they came mm -hmm. out of that event with, they just it was the will of the force that they had to be there. Uh, all right, season three, episode one and two, steps into shadow, directed by Bosco Ng. Mel's Wire uh, and Justin Ridge, written by Stephen Melshing, Matt Michnovitz, premiered March 30th, 2016 on Disney XD. Guest stars Nikki Futterman and Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn. Oh man, this was a huge reveal. Oh With man. The, the, I remember the trailers were kind of like, just giving you slivers of like, is it Thrawn? Is it not Thrawn? Yeah. It's speculation all over. And here it is. And he is one of the very few actors who has done the voice of the character and returned to play the live action version of the character. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Let's take a listen to Rebels Recon. After breaking him out of prison, Hondo Onaka informs the rebels of an Imperial scrapyard brimming with Y-Wings ripe for the taking. If we could steal a squadron's worth, they would be key to building a strike fleet. Kanan, still grappling with the events in the Sith Temple, encounters the Bendu, who gives him valuable insight into the ways of the Force. Your connection to the Force allows you to see in ways others cannot. If you can see yourself, you will never be truly blind. Narrowly succeeding in stealing the bombers, the rebels escape capture, but only because Grand Admiral Thrawn has bigger plans in mind. Break off your attack and allow them to escape with their meager reward. This week we saw a different side of Ezra emerge, as well as seeing Kanan explore a deeper side of the Force with Bendu. I sat down with cast and crew to discuss the changes their characters are undergoing, as well as what it took to bring a legendary character like Thrawn back into Star Wars. Check it out. 
Ezra has been messing around with the Sith holocron and learning some new tricks. How do you think this affects him? He's learning more about the other side of the Force, and that's good and bad. One, because it is also kind of pulling at him, but it's good in the sense that he's broadening his like perspective, and, and he's, he's learning more and learning how to harness the Force in different ways. At the end of Steps into Shadow, Kanan comes out of his self-imposed exile to help the Rebels. What has he learned in this time? After losing his sight, he separated himself from the Force and really kind of just sat in the dark. He blamed himself for a lot of what happened. While Kanan might not ever see as he used to, he might be able to see things in a more detailed, emotionally involved way, in a clearer way than he ever has before. Mm -hmm. The cowboy side of him is kind of taken in the back seat. And it's still there, right? Like that will always be a part of Kanan. And I think it's important never to lose that. In the end for Kanan, a lot of his character is going to be about resolving things that occurred in second season. And we'll see him deal with the fallout of those events throughout most of the series as we go. I think one of the things that is, is key is the introduction of the notion that the Jedi are only one flavor of Force study. And they're the most well-known, but they're not the oldest. Through that, like, Kanan might find better answers in terms of what he's looking for. He has to face some honest truths that you can't save everybody, you can't protect everyone. By chance or by luck or by will of the Force, he runs into this character who, for lack of a better term, is the Force. Bendu is a pretty mystical concept. And mm -hmm. What was the inspiration for that character? In our animated projects, be it Clone Wars or Rebels, we've had a lot of freedom to explore the Force in a deeper way. Bendu is just this notion that there are many old things in the galaxy. We were talking about developing this planet that the Rebels find and really wanted to make it a special place. There's something interesting about a character who sees outside of good and evil. Bendu really isn't evil or good. He is kind of the balanced to me duality of the Force. When the Jedi talk about prophecies and whatnot, everybody talks in terms of balance of the Force. So it's a mistake to sit there and think that what you're ultimately trying to do is upend the light or the dark. Bendu is a bit of an enigma. How do you think Kanan should handle dealing with him in the future? It's not a character you can be anything but yourself with, or he just simply won't have time for you. Anytime Kanan brings that to the table, insecurities, fear, anger, cockiness, he strips it away right away. Whose idea was it to bring Thrawn onto the scene? The name was bandied around in season one, very early season one. However, at that time, the Rebels universe was too small to bring in a character as large and as powerful and as opposing as Thrawn. So we really wanted to develop the series and widen it out. And as the Rebels grew in power and a threat to the Empire, the Empire would respond with someone like Thrawn. You know, we're all big fans of the Thrawn trilogy. It was Dave who threw out the ideas like, well, are we ready for Thrawn at this point? And that was really ultimately Kiri's call. And she said, yeah, let's do it now. How does this iteration of Thrawn compare with the original? I feel like everyone that read Heir to the Empire and that whole trilogy felt like they got a great impression of who Thrawn is and his connection to art and the way he speaks and the way he commands. In my mind, I really wanted to be as true as I could be to Zahn's books. So it was a great honor to actually take the time and really make sure we got the character as close to the novel as we could. This is a beloved Star Wars legacy character in my mind, so I really wanted to be as true to Thrawn as a character as I could. In this version, Thrawn is more of an established character. There's not as much a sense of mystery around him in terms of who he is and what he's capable of. And we're at the height of the Empire, too. So he's prominent, he's a threat, and he's basically ready to get into action right away.
All right. So uh, there we have it. That's uh, that's uh, season three, episode one and two steps in the shadow. But before we get into that, Pablo points and Pudus for Twilight of the Apprentice. We can well just combine episodes one and two of that together. Uh, your score, sir. Uh, the new episodes, we got to explain the rating system. Oh, oh, that's right. Um, every time, man. Every time. All right. <laughs> so real quick, uh, rating system, Pablo Points Pudu is named after Pablo Hidalgo himself. Uh, we got a score of seven. So three Pablo Pudus is the absolute worst of the worst. Pablo is just taking a big old crap. Steamy Pablo Pudu on the worst of the worst. And then uh, two, mo- one, and then moving up from there, we got the middle, the Bendu, the one in the middle. And uh, moving up from there, we have uh, one Pablo point, two Pablo points, three Pablo points, three being the absolute best of the best of the best. So basically zero to 100% on a scale of seven. That's how it works. 50% being a Bendu. Your score. Oh, three Poodoo's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is, like like you said at the the very beginning, this this is probably, if not the best, one of the best arcs in the whole series. Yeah. Maybe of all stars animation. Even, you know, this sliver of Star Wars of all time. There's a lot going on. Does it deserve a three really Pablo good. point? I don't think I go quite that high just because... Helicopter sabers? I hate them so much. It's got to be an ace for, for uh, three three Pablo points. Uh, yeah. I, I will give it two and a half. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go with two and a half too. I think that was fair score. You know, fair score for this, sure. Yes. Honestly, this is... This is the like peak animation. If we could get this every week, like it's the best series ever made. Oh yeah. Well, with the story with that amount of substance, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, can't say the same about the opening to season three. However, it didn't suck. I mean, it was all right. Like it was. Season three did always feel like a bit of a step down. It did, yeah, a little bit. I think, um, as you said, I think they spent too much time on one planet. Yeah, yeah, along. Which was the problem with season one. Yep, Lothal. <laughs> Uh, so, um, what I liked about this one, um, to note, this is the first episode set in two BBY and, uh, Twilight of the Apprentice is the final episode of the show that took place in three BBY. That's three years before the battle of Yavin, three years before episode four. Um, season three opener is now two years prior to that, which also means it's about two years prior to rogue one happening. So we're getting very close to mm-hmm. the battle of Yavin, you know, the duel with the Death Star. Seems probably down to one season per year then, right? Two seasons left. Just about, yeah. Um, something that Rebels Recon did not uh, touch up on was that this opening to season three is supposedly six months after the events of the previous season. Okay. So at this point now... Ezra has finally changed the clothes and get yeah, Ezra's finally had time to get a haircut. You know, it's finally time to get out of those gross street inches. rat clothes and into something fresh and clean. I'm, I'm so glad he no longer has one knee pad. I always thought that looked so stupid. Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a new lightsaber and a DL44 blaster, just the same as uh, Han Solo, oh, the one right, that he carries. Because Vader. I broke his, his saber in the last episode. That's right. That's why he's got a new one. And um, this is the same lightsaber that you see in Ahsoka, the one that Sabine is wielding in the trailer. And uh, it looks like she's modified it. it. looks like she's screwed in some some 
emitter protectors around the top edge. Oh, interesting. But it is the same the same lightsaber. And it is actually, it was recently, along with all the props for the Ahsoka show, were recently at San Diego Comic-Con on display. So people got some really nice shots of this out close up. So you could see all the detail that they put into it. And it just basically looks like Ezra's Rebels lightsaber, the one that we're seeing right now, but a little more battle damaged and got some some modifications, modifications pinned on the top. But other than that, uh, it's the same lightsaber. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So I like that they keep that um, like that, that cannon yeah. as it is. Instead yeah. of just making up and changing things whenever they want. Which a lot of series do that. Totally. So. Totally. Um, so that's a big one to note. And uh, for those of you wondering why Sabine has Ezra's lightsaber, uh, you'll have to stick with us watching Star Wars Rebels and uh, stick with us to uh, to the finale of, of Rebels Talk. Two more seasons. Two more seasons. Um, so Ezra's matured up a lot more. He's uh, actually killing people for a living, which is which is finally it's like, yes. You know, like before he was just like, Little electricity bolt yeah, thing. Yeah, slingshot. Slingshot, and then uh, like the blaster. Stapler. Yeah, the stapler gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. And then, and then now he's actually like shooting people and slicing them up with his lightsaber. He, and he's matured, and uh, he's became a very angsty teenager. Yeah. And he also is. Uh, a lot of anger now yeah now he because he's learning from the holocron mm -hmm. right like the holocron for six months now he's been tapping into the holocron anytime he has this this desire to learn more power and not to mention i don't think it's great that kanan has been a little Lord. absent for him yeah, right yeah because kanan's been dealing with his own issues right of yeah. like suffering from the, yeah and he's been blinded so he probably feels incapable of being able to train as yeah because he's got to figure out his own stuff so Ezra's just kind of left abandoned, and he's got this holocron, this Sith mm -hmm. holocron that it seems like Kanan is unaware that he even has. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's 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 interesting to kind of see how the effect of season two has had on all these characters, and uh, to see Ezra mature in any way whatsoever has been refreshing, because um, you know. For some people, he can get a little annoying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Ahsoka went through the same arc. Yeah, Ahsoka went through the same arc, yeah. Uh, but I am genuinely looking forward to, you know, we saw a hologram of Ezra in, in the Ahsoka trailer. Um, Aman Efstandi, Efstandi, Efstandi is the uh, casted actor for this character now, live action wise. And he does such a great job, you know, just portraying that just in that small section that we got it was like, man. I hope you get to see more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, Hondo. He's the key to uh, the Rebel Y-Wing fleet. How crazy is that? <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> Hondo always sneaking his way in. Yeah. That's the one thing, though. Whenever you have a Hondo episode, you know it's going to be a good one. You know it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, though, his uh, his buddy, Turbo, the, <laughs> the friggin' Ugnaught, yeah. like, just being blown to sky high, and he's like... <laughs> just goes sky <laughs> high man it's like okay i thought for sure he was alive after that like that was too comical of a death scene and they never see him again but you, no he's dead he's straight up gone <laughs> so, but like that's the craziest part it was very comical it is funny because like you see him just like you're like oh yeah he's fine you know like it's like the blast just kind of knocked him off his feet a little bit 
But no, he's like straight. Like at the end of the episode, there's like some sorrow going on. It's like I'm sorry about Turbo, and you know it's all yeah. my fault. And I'm like, wait, what? He's actually dead. <laughs> Maybe they just left him there. They didn't know he survived. He's like, meanwhile, he's like dangling off like a branch somewhere. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, it was one of those. Yeah, it was one of those moments that's just like really like. Could you not just have the explosion engulf his body and then just have him disappear? Like. Is it no, really I, that violent to have an to explosion it, go off and kill somebody? It had to be very comical. Yeah, it had to be very comical for them to, to do it, I guess. Um, in last season, the Ugnaughts all spoke basic. We talked about this. In this season, all the Ugnaughts speak Ugnaught. Yeah, 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 there's, uh, yeah, Ugnaught. Is that what the language is? Ugnaught? I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm just maybe it's, maybe it's Ugg. They speak Ugg. 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 Uh, Bendu. We meet Bendu for the first oh, time. Before we get to that, yep. we got to talk about how Ezra uses the dark side to take over the, the pilot, the ATS. Oh, that was pretty crazy. That was super... That was probably the coolest part of the whole episode. Yeah. You know, like, like, did Kanan teach you that? No. It's not even, <laughs> it wasn't even really a mind trick. It was like mind dominate, which is like the next version, which is like more of a Sith version. Right, yeah. Isn't that a thing in Games. Force Unleashed? I don't know about Force Unleashed, but I know it is for sure a thing in the KOTOR games. Mm. I thought you were going to say, but it is for sure a thing in the Force Unleashed 2. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, but you're right. It is like a it is a Sith um, ability, skill thing to do. Super Probably. cool, though. Yeah, it is. Like, oh, man, like I, I kind of want to see more of that, even though... Even though he's a Jedi, it's like... Yeah. But, but it's, it, seeing a Jedi slip down that... That slope, right? Yeah, it's also one of those one of those moments when you just know it's like a Jedi using the dark side for good purposes. Is mm-hmm. that still bad? It's just that's that's the thing. Is like it's not in the moment, but the problem is a slippery slope. It is. It is, and and that's a hundred percent kind of how Anakin lives on the edge, right? Like yeah. he does that all the time. Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting is as we see. Uh, Ezra become a lot more angsty, and you. He, he's very determined to not let anyone get hurt, and this, that's exactly what happens to Anakin. He wants more power so he can protect people. More power, yeah. <laughs> but he's coming from this place of of love and protection. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but it 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 drives him really to completely the opposite direction mm-hmm. because of that that need and that, that thirst for the power to do it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's I agree. corrupted in the process. Right. Yeah, it's uh it's a slippery slope, but man, it's like it's one of those it's one of those debates. It's like, well, you'd be killing them anyways. Like why not just take the easy route, you know? Get right. them, make them kill themselves. Man, it even sounds messed up. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. That's what happened. He Walk that guy right off the cliff. So Bendu's words to Kanan. Bendu, interesting character, interesting creature. Uh, it's what the halfway point in our skill point system is rated all about. The Bendu, the 50%. Um, he's sort of an interesting character because he's like what Pablo was saying. He's beyond the Jedi and the Sith. He's an ancient, right? He's an ancient force creature uh, who's kind of seen it all. And he's like not really with the light and he's not really with the dark. And that's kind of what his name is. And his name actually comes out of out of the original George Lucas terminology for the Force itself, which was 
the original the, uh, script. The Ashla and the mm. Bogan and the Bendu. And the Bendu is the balance in the middle. Uh, the Ashla is the force. And the, the light side of the force and the Bogan was, was supposed to be the dark side. And uh, I really like how they just kind of recycled that terminology again into something new and fresh and into canon and something that makes sense for that term. It was actually in season two of Rebels. So the this Lasat, uh, part of their religion refers to the, the, the Ashla. Yeah, they use the original terminology for it. Um, I'm also reading a StarWars.com news article. It says, The various religions of the Force are typically, but not exclusively, rooted in the side of which a person is aligned. The Force is a light side, sometimes called Ashla, which represents good, and a dark side, sometimes called Bogan, which represents evil, and the middle, which is called the Bendu, which represents balance. Uh, despite all these terms, these were not the only words that describe the Force and its facets, as religions dedicated to the Force formed various lingui- linguistics formed with it. Um, and as we know from multiple Star Wars stories, you know, there's so many different Star Wars religions out there. Uh, there's an entire article dedicated to get it to on, on StarWars.com. So, um, you know, I'm, so, so does that make it canon if it's on StarWars.com? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Baker, he's the Doctor he's, Who, he's the Doctor, Doctor Who, Who thing. Yeah. His words to Kanan about the object, about about the Sith holocron and the effect that it has on somebody. I thought that was very wise words. You know, because Kanan as a Jedi almost fears the holocron, right? Like, he's like, no, this is a bad thing to have. But yeah, what do you think about that? What do you think about the Bendu's, Bendu's philosophy on, you know, the object itself should not be feared, but the idea that these temptations and such can be, you know, used by somebody. Like, like, like Kanan itself, he's like, hey, be careful with that. Like, that's, that's dangerous, right? But it's he's like... trying to be protective, yeah. Is it? It's an object. Like, is, what what danger is well, this really? Unless you utilize power it from it, yeah, yeah, which is what he was, which is obviously what Ezra was doing. Bla- bla- blasters don't kill people. People kill people, right? He was rap about that. The view that the Jedi have about these holocrons, about the the uh, Sith artifacts in general, are sometimes a bit clouded by by their very strict sort of policies. This one was interesting because there was some good stuff. And, like, we get to see the character direction, but there's a lot of stuff that maybe maybe it was, you know, some people's good, but it's not something I get excited about, which is a lot of the, the yeah. Bendu stuff. I think the most important thing from this episode is definitely seeing Ezra's maturity and the introduction mm-hmm. of Thrawn. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bendu, yeah, Bendu, yeah, I think... Talk, talk a lot about that. It was the Thrawn stuff. Yeah. No, and really, there's not a whole lot to see. I mean, he lets the Rebels get away with the Y-Wings. Because he has a bigger plan. He's got a bigger plan. But that was it. We didn't actually see too much of him. And I think that's a good thing. Because, like, it kind of oh, yeah. still keeps him mysterious. We've only just started Season 3. And the so. Rebels get to win. So they don't... And and uh, Thrawn lets them get away. Yeah. So technically, Thrawn wasn't defeated like another right. baddie of the week. Exactly. All right. Apollo points of Poodles. Hmm. I always like the two-parter episodes. A lot of positives. But yeah. It also just felt like it was just missing something. I yeah. think maybe it's because the previous two episodes are just so good. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to give it one and a half pop-up points. I'll give it one. Yeah. I'll give it one pop-up point. I like seeing all the Ezra stuff and Thrawn is cool, but... And we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about Bendu as time goes by. Yeah. Quick uh, look ahead. 
we will get discovery. We will revisit the Geonosis story storyline. We'll also revisit the Dark Saber, Maul, his connection to that. Mandalore, we're going to be going back to Mandalore again in this new season as well. Uh, more connections to Rebels heroes from the original trilogy, as well as the last battle. More Maul. More Maul. <laughs> and more Bendu. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir, for coming back on the podcast in the escape pod, and we will see you in the next one. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast as always. And if you stuck with us so far, we would love those five stars and the review. And if you're using Spotify as your platform of choice, you can uh, hit the Q and a box below the episode, right where it tells you where all the rebels episodes that we have watched, you'll know which ones to, uh, to watch ahead of time. So that way you can kind of stay ahead of the game. And when a new rebels talk episode comes out, you're good to go. Next up on Rebels Talk, part 12, we're going to be getting into season three, episode three, four, five, and six. And Rebels Talk, part 13, after that, we'll be getting into season three, episodes seven, eight, nine, and 10. So we got lots to look forward to there. Ahsoka comes out August 23rd on Disney+. And if you haven't thrown your name in the giveaway, there is a very, very little time left to do that. And uh, actually, by the time this episode drops, we may have even pulled the names already. So <laughs> definitely, definitely throw your name in the hat. Links in the description below. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. <laughs>